1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. In 1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant and the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves, flashing the shot, what a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. We're Wolves, eh, we? Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the 77 Club. Harry, start with the socials. Ah, Sam. This is just off a whim. I didn't say anything to you before the podcast. Last week when we mentioned that Ben about listening in... uh, Melbourne when it was Charles when she got hold of us mm. there's a few of us got in touch didn't they from uh, yeah. overseas Australia and Melbourne let me just have a look I'll, I'll give them a shout out because I don't want to forget their names but there was one bloke who said he's in a massive group let's have a look here we go Dave Johnson he is from Australia well he's based in Auckland New Zealand and they listen in a big group and they've got over 100 members now on Dingles Awe New Zealand I think they called it so wow. that's a shout and then obviously we had that message off Paul Mahon I think that's how you pronounce it M-A-H-O-N he also said loves the podcast I have, he said he lives in Perth Australia for 30 years and it's much easier now to watch every game obviously he says he listens to like West Midlands radio so when he's driving down the coast in Australia he listens about the M6 and the M5 being oh he's got all day. the travel news <laughs> yeah <laughs> while he's in Australia and uh, yeah so thanks for that so two more people who live uh, well live in the outback and listen in the outback so that's crazy anyway well, perfect and if you want to obviously grow the group or we can do anything to help we obviously do foreign wolves as a feature it'd be good to get anyone on that is listening out there that isn't based in the UK yeah so at 77 club podcast on Twitter the Wolf 77 Club Facebook and Instagram please follow and obviously Spotify and iTunes now I don't know if it's something that we said um, but it's only me and Harry here this week <laughs> so uh, I could call it the A-team and yeah. uh, I think Harry does too so uh, no Jack and Bayless this week I'm sure new, normal service will resume eventually but we will start with Europa League action and the home tie against Besiktas give you a rundown of that team John Ruddy in goal Bennett, Cody, Kilman, Burr Dendonka, Neves, Matinho Vinagre, Neto and Catrone Harry we knew that there were going to be changes we were guaranteed into the next round anyway so this was just about putting a team out there that could probably do the job it did in the end 4-0 win what were your thoughts on that team to begin with I was shocked that Oscar Burr made an appearance I think the last time was when he scored wasn't it against Hull in the uh, championship yeah I saw a stat and it's something like 168 no 618 days uh, between uh, that appearance uh, and the one uh, in the Europa League so fantastic for the youngster I think that just shows that like, if Doherty got injured, obviously Traore can play there, but 
Maybe we need another player there, but still, he did really well. I know I'm uh, talking as if he's not got a chance, but he actually had a good game. So, but first half, mate, was um, very boring, wasn't it? The most mm. probably one of those boring 45 minutes of football yeah. I've ever seen. So, obviously, second half we bring the main man on, and I don't know what he'd been eating, but he was on fire when he got that hat trick in 11 minutes, and then Donker headed home as well. So, great second half to be fair, but first half, I bet people thought about walking out. <laughs> it was that boring. Well, yeah, I mean, nil-nil stalemate, 56 minutes, Jota comes on, and then he has a crazy 13-minute hat-trick and just flips the game on its head. Yeah, um, but it was a bit unfortunate, wasn't it? Because obviously everyone was keeping an eye on the Braga score and they were 2-1 down at one point. Mm. And then they just seemed to score two quick goals, didn't they, to make it 3-2? which obviously people were a bit gutted about that, but we've discussed, haven't we? As long as we got through, we didn't mind. We've ended up with a nice tie, haven't we, off the back of it, so can't complain. It was nice to see Ryan Bennett back in a Wolf shirt for me, Harry. I don't know, mm. how do you think he did? Yeah, he did all right. He's, he's always steady, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's just been weird that... He, well, he, got, he has been injured, hasn't he? You've got to remember that, but he did get dropped randomly against Everton a few months back. Um we, we've noticed when he's running up and down the line he don't acknowledge the fans so yeah. hopefully he stays because I do like him and he's a decent player to have as backup in defence obviously we've got Bolly to come back as well so he did okay mate and he's a good player and I just hope he stays but I feel like something's going on behind the scenes that we don't know about I think you might be right as well but that man Katronate such a clever flick uh, to put Neto away down that right hand side and his cross obviously found Jota finished with his first touch of the game as well it was one of those games where you wanted him on the score sheet and I think fans want Katrina on the score sheet every week now he's becoming one of those cult figures he just needs yeah. those goals but he, he just showed his class as well didn't he with that flick yeah brilliant that was absolutely brilliant and I mean like you say the fans love him especially after him crying after the West Ham game I think he touched few people's hearts and we do like him and I think he's desperate to do well as well, isn't he? Which uh, is good to see. And shout out to Neto as well. Great bit of skill from him to then to eventually cross it. So they played all right. Obviously, for, just rule out the first half, second half. Jota obviously brought everyone else to life as well because Catrone, Neto, other players, they all seem to do very well second half. And it was one of those where all the stats were coming out after the game. You know, Jota was the first substitute to score a Europa League hat-trick since Steven Gerrard for Liverpool against Napoli. Oh. That was back in 2010. And also for Wolves, excluding qualifiers, biggest European victory since winning 4-0 against Den Haag in the UEFA Cup in November 1971. And obviously that campaign was a pretty decent one. We got to the final. So all the omens are there starting to come together um, but in, in terms of the performance what do you think of Besiktas so obviously they were heavily changed as well they had a big Super League tie coming up so it was all changes all round but it was just a golfing class in the end wasn't it yeah and they I think they had two like 18 year old debutants playing as well so they was yeah. always uh, going to struggle but like we say, not much happened first half and they just fell apart, didn't they, after Jota come on. But, I mean, Ruddy, it was his first appearance since Villa, wasn't it? And he didn't have much to do. So, I think that says it all really, doesn't it? How important was it for him to keep a clean sheet? Because I think, you know, he hasn't looked quite the same since that semi-final loss in the FA Cup at Wembley against Watford. Um, so I guess for him, a clean sheet was very welcome. Yeah, and I mean, he come out himself, didn't he? I think it was in the Express and Star and said he wasn't happy with himself in the Villa League Cup game. He Two mistakes for me in that game, both Villa goals. Yeah, And he's a cup goalkeeper, isn't he? So if we have a little run in the, well, not Europa League, obviously, but if we have another run in the FA Cup again, I'm sure he'll get more game time. And it's probably just nice for him to get between the sticks again because it, you know, he hasn't had much chance, has he, this year, really? And it was straight into that draw Monday 
midday. I think a lot of Wolves fans would have been watching either on uh, YouTube or live on on any website that they could get it. I know I was watching on YouTube and watching it all unfold and watching all the crap that you have to put with with these uh, oh, UEFA things and videos and all, all this stuff. But you know, it got to the juicy bit, and actually Wolves were the first ball out. So yeah, <laughs> you, you it made me laugh. It. Right when you, when they're doing it and they're doing them pointless introductions and all that, and it always pans onto the on the crowd and it the representatives of the clubs and they all look mega bored yeah, <laughs> they just sat there, sat like, there yeah, face really. like a slapped ass and just waiting Kevin Thalwell there just going just, just pull the name out for God's sake yeah, and they so, did that uh, and uh, Wolves have pulled out first and that meant that we would be at home in the first leg and away in the second leg and it was that team from Barcelona Harry Espanyol would you call it a glamour tie? I think it is because of the destination it's a great stadium and I think it holds 40,000 it looks brilliant and it's win-win-win for Wolves because they're struggling in La Liga. Obviously, they've done all right to get to the knockout stages, but it's very winnable. We've got to be the favourites going into it, even though we're, we're like the unseeded team. So, Barcelona, mate, it, it's just so many Wolves fans going to be going. I know there's been a bit of uh, controversial stuff online with the, the flight prices, and I think there's a festival going on in Barcelona the same week. So, uh, I think that's made the hotels pricey, but it don't matter. You never, like we say, this might not happen again. And a winnable tie in a great location. I was very happy that we got that. I know a lot of fans, just on the point you made there, Harry, were sort of getting flights in their basket for a certain price. Yeah. And then it came to paying and it would say no longer available at this price. And I've seen some of them go from sort of 40, 50 quid return. It, some of them are going up into the hundreds. Some of yeah. them are about 490 quid, I think, you're paying from, from Birmingham, which is just crazy, isn't it? But I suppose it, it's supply and demand. Yeah, I mean, one example, our, our mate Dave of Talking Walls, he brought his for 120, and I think he checked it a few hours later, and it was up to 840. Wow. I mean, I think it's mainly on the Wednesday and the Thursday, because obviously people can't get time off work, so they want to go Wednesday or even Thursday morning. Um, yeah. So it's, it's mad how they do it. Obviously, the traffic to the website goes mad and then they put the prices up and I'm going out on the Tuesday I know you, you did really well didn't you you and Jack and Bayless yeah so we, we're flying out on sort of like Wednesday evening yeah um, but we, we did it for about £45 that was return, class which yeah incredible uh, yeah we're I'm going with uh, some other lads on the Tuesday the day before we're 125 I think I paid but it's via Dublin I don't mind that. You know what I mean? No, there are worse places to go. <laughs> have a few Guinnesses while we wait for the, the switch over and then fly over. And how long is your switch over? Only each one's only a couple of hours. So oh, okay. get off so the plane, a couple of cheeky right. beers, oh, get back off. In terms of the rest of the draw, I, th- there aren't really any killer ties in there, but I suppose the, the ones that stand out would be by Leverkusen and, and, and Porto, who have got to play each other. So, I mean, they're two pretty big sides. Um, so one of them's obviously got to fall away. And maybe Copenhagen versus Celtic. That's probably a, one where it's two big clubs coming together. Um, I th- in t- historically, maybe Club Bruges versus Manchester United, but um, you know, Club Bruges aren't anything special anymore. <laughs> Neither are Manchester United. Mm. We uh, and and that's about it, really. I think um, yeah. I think everyone else is probably going to be pretty happy. It, it could have been worse because Braga, who obviously went through the, as group winners from Group K, as did Wolves in second place, have got Rangers, and that would just been a bit gutting to have Rangers. Wouldn't yeah, it? I mean, I saw a lot of people online wanted Celtic, didn't they? But I wouldn't want it because it, I know it's like you know it's Celtic, it's historic club and that, but it is like just having an away day in England, really. 
Yeah. And it, like, it's like a midweek game at Newcastle. Of it, is it? It's not going to the airport, getting on a plane. Bit of sun if you can. Would it be sunny in Barcelona in February? I think I it'll know. definitely be warmer than Scotland. <laughs> that's, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but it should be fantastic. So um, those... Uh, Games, of course, will be played uh, the first legs, which will be uh, the 20th of February. The second legs will be the 26th or 27th. And kickoff times vary between sort of five to seven and uh, nine o'clock. So um, as they were in the group stage. So it should be very, very fun. Do you think we've got a chance, Harry? Chance of getting through? Yeah, like I said, they're struggling the La Liga. So depending on how they're doing at the time when we play them, they might be in a bloody scrap to for their place in La Liga so they might not want to be in the Europa League at that point but we've got to be favourites against them let's be honest and I think I saw they average about 25,000 in the 45,000 at the stadium their attendance so we were saying weren't we on WhatsApp even if the away end sells out of about 4,000 we think I think we'll be able to get in the home end to be like Slovan Bratislava all over again <laughs> <laughs> but with fewer kids hopefully uh, and so I guess we've all got one eye on the round of 16 so the draw for that will be the 28th of February so uh, the day after all of the ties will be played and then it's the 12th of March and the 19th of March that those will be played and we won't look any further afield yet but the uh, <laughs> final of course is on the 27th of May in Poland so book your flights now uh, what we'll do now though is move on to Premier League matters and it's Tottenham at Molyneux. Hi, I'm Steve Ball and you're listening to the 77 Club. Now, this is a bit of a strange one because I think this is probably the best that we've played. Incredible. And lots of changes from that side that beat Besiktas. Rui Patricio reinstated back in goal. Uh, Dendonka, Cody, Sace, Doherty, Neves, Matinho, Johnny, Traore, Jimenez and Jota. Got off to a, a good start, but it was a wonder goal, really, from Mora. Just hit it as hard as he could, and Patricia had no chance, did he, Harry? But some really promising signs in the, that opening few minutes. Yeah, I mean, the way we started off, I was quite confident we were going to beat them. I was confident before the game, to be honest, but literally, they went up the other end. They're pretty. It was, it was off uh, Patricio's poor kick-out as well, yeah, wasn't it? Because was. then Son had that chance. Uh, rebound it out and then Moore just absolutely blasts it into the roof of the net so pretty unfortunate way to go 1-0 down but we were looking good just before that and I was confident we could get back into it at that point We were talking a couple of weeks ago post Bournemouth saying a Bournemouth the dirtiest team in the Premier League but actually from that game I think Tottenham might be Harry they just couldn't stop uh, Adama Traore legally so they did it <laughs> illegally Oh man, it was so frustrating. You just knew exactly what they were doing. They were terrified. I mean, as soon as I saw Vertonghen was left back, I was like, Troy Ace is going to rip him, and he did. And even Harry Kane had a go at the end, didn't he? He ran back to have a go at him. So it's just horrendous. There's got to be some kind of rule that if, if like the fourth bloke does it, surely they've got to give a red card or something. I know it's not within the rules. I know the rules are it's a booking, but he got an absolute beating, really, didn't he, Traore? And. It's just uh, crazy to see, really. It don't feel fair, does it? The irony was that then Jan Vertonghen goes and scores a 91st-minute winner. That's the thing. He just shouldn't have been on the pitch. Oh, yeah. I mean, Traore was down injured, wasn't he? He had that shoulder injury, I think. Yeah. And then he jogged back. Then Donker makes the foul, flicks out for a corner. I think I turned to Bayless when we were sat there. I was like, they're going to score here. I can feel it. And unfortunately, I think it was Traore's man, but he was slightly injured and... They score the header. I mean, it's a smash and grab, a complete smash and grab. It's one, like we said, it's one of the definitely the best home performances this season, and we've lost. I mean, it was a really entertaining game as well. I was speaking to Tom after he's been on here a few times, Golden Black, and he said he didn't want it to end. Like he said, he was that like enjoyed it that much for a neutral. I know it weren't on Sky, but 
it was a, a, a really really entertaining game obviously Wolves were the much better team and it's just a shame we couldn't take our chances I think that's the negative to take out of it for us I think lots of people were sort of bringing up tweets from yesteryear saying that Adama Traore has no end product well he, he did against Tottenham didn't he Harry absolute thunderbolt oh what a goal what a goal I didn't expect it either because he don't really do that no. does he I thought he'd try and take on another man or pass it and it was perfect where we're sat as well in the North Bank we were right behind it weren't we and absolute thunderbolt top corner like you say and we needed that at the time didn't we big time and it was just so heartbreaking as well because it was cold it was wet classic North Bank roof situation again getting <laughs> rained on every single time there's just a drop you just know it's going to be coming your way but it, it would have been a fair result I, I suppose you know, we, of course we had taken the draw because we lost the game. But like you said, and I think I agree with you on this, is that, that we had chances to win it, but Tottenham were just more clinical on the day, weren't they? They were, and they hit the post as well, didn't they, that yeah. one? So that is it, mate. They they just took the chances when it mattered, like fairly early on, right at the death. And it's Mourinho, isn't it? He's just so good at like that. He like, obviously got set him up defensively. I mean, they were settling for the draw, definitely. They definitely was. And at least we showed courage to go for it and go for the win. And uh, yeah, so it was just a good in. In terms of that performance, it, I think we both agree that it's one of the best of the season. Was there, obviously, Traore was, I think, everybody's man of the match. But I think all-round link-up play was much better. I thought Cody looked a little bit more comfortable. Mm, yeah, he did, actually. He did. Um, his uh, 50-yard diagonal passes were, were there, weren't they? He did a few of them. And also, you got to shout out Martinho again as well. He was bloody everywhere again. I mean, his energy is incredible. Every time a Spurs player was on the ball, Martinho was there, it seemed. Yeah, God, unreal. And they had some big lads. they got big lads in midfield, haven't yeah. they, Spurs? And he more than held his own. Like, what, a, what a player. I saw a stat, because Cody had a very good performance, actually, on Monday Night Football this week. Uh, I don't know if anyone caught that, but I think he's very, very assured of himself, held himself very well. And they pulled up a successful long passes stats, and he is top of the tree where that's concerned. 121 successful long passes in the Premier League. It's the most by a defender in the Premier League this season. Van Dijk is second on the list with 87. So it's just a huge gulf. I mean, sometimes I know that I've been sort of guilty of it in the past of saying I'm not seeing him spray these balls as much as we have in previous seasons but he clearly is and by an absolute margin as well so nearly 40 more passes compared to mm. other players which which is great to see and I think it, it it just shows as the team is growing in confidence it seems that he is a little bit as well yeah and I think what's shown like why he's got been a bit better lately on the ball is Neves is not coming so deep anymore. Yeah. And when Neves at that one stage just kept coming next to him, getting the ball off him from like five yards away. Whereas if Neves goes forward a bit more, like we just said, Cody does get the chance to do his passing, his passing game. Obviously, I'm not going to completely switch. He has had a few defensive poor performances for me, Cody. Yeah. He's still weak when he's one-on-one against a player of a bit of pace. So, But credit where credit's due, that stat's incredible. And his long-range passes is important to the way we play, isn't it? Absolutely. And it seems, I think you're right, because you made the point there, that Neves is, is pushing a little bit more up. And then the whole link-up play changes its dynamic, doesn't it? In that yeah. once you can get that ball out there and you know that if we do give it away, Martini is going to be on it straight away and then you're straight off down that right-hand side. But obviously, because Adama Traore has played so well this season, everyone seems to be forgetting Jota's input as well and I thought he had a great game too. He did, yeah. I mean, we've given we've given some criticism with his runs and not releasing the ball on that, but he was really good. He was on fire and 
much improved. I mean, he was well up for it, wasn't he? When he's up for it, Jota, he's a handful a handful for anyone. So hopefully he can keep that up. Mourinho came out after the game and said, Wolves are certainly part of the pack that are chasing the Champions League. So I suppose great to hear it, isn't it? And, that you know, that Tottenham are now feeling, and I think Dan said it on the away perspective last week, Dan Tracy, that... They're now seeing Wolves as more of a threat than someone that's welcome to the party, it seems. Yeah, I mean, the comments, like, I didn't know what he was going to do after Mourinho because obviously they they knew in their camp they got away with one, smash and grab. And oh, it was really nice comments from Mourinho. I mean, I don't, I'm not particularly his biggest fan, to be honest, but I was happy to hear those comments. And he's like a genius like that, though. Like the whole story became about his comments about Wolves and not about how potentially lucky Spurs got really I know I know we could have took our chances but it really was the ultimate smash and grab so yeah whether we actually are top four contenders we're not far off are we I mean if we win that game against Spurs we're two points off fourth again so very nice compliments and he might not be wrong if we can uh, string a few good results together over the next few weeks now the elephant in the room is Stuart Atwell and uh, Harry, just very quickly, because we're going to talk to you, Ref, but can you give his performance a mark out of 10? Oh, about a three. That much? Right, okay. What we'll do yeah. now, though, is catch up with you, Ref, to talk about the man in the middle and, of course, ahead of Norwich City away. Hi, I'm George Lokomi. You are listening to the Wolves 77 Club. So, as we promised, we are looking at the man in the middle with you, Ref, and Jack is here on the line all the way in Australia. Jack, how's it going? I'm very well, Sam. Pretty early in the morning, but that's okay. Right, no, thank you for giving us the time. Uh, we always appreciate it. Now, we sort of left that little bit of the podcast there. Uh, Harry gave Stuart Atwell a three out of ten. I couldn't believe it was that high. He had an absolute shocker. He did have a shocker, and the fans certainly uh, saw it that way on the whole. He had a match performance rating of 1.4 out of 5 on average. Um, wow. But the only thing, yeah, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a good performance. I think, I think the fans thought uh, it was poorly managed by Atwell. The match, sloppy decision-making certainly didn't help his cause. Um, the conditions were certainly tricky, and the only thing I will say in his favour is that he did get the key contentious call right, uh, 62% of fans agreed with his decision not to award Tottenham a 71st-minute penalty after Cody's fair sliding challenge on Harry Kane. But, yeah, certainly not his best performance and the fairy tale run for Wolves did not continue. I think a lot of Wolves fans were flabbergasted that there were no red cards for Tottenham. Yeah, and this, I think this was certainly another, another point of debate. Uh, as mentioned, it was, a, it, was a, it was certainly a fiery clash um, some fans on the URAF app thought that Traore was particularly targeted. Eight yellow cards in this fixture. Um, and I think, I think you're right. I think Tottenham could easily have had a red card. Perhaps that would have improved his match performance rating. Um, but yeah, certainly uh, not a happy day for Stuart Atwell. Jack, I saw a stat out the other day that Adama Traore has played 23 games this season in all competitions and 26 players have been booked for tackling. Yeah, he's he's certainly that kind of player that warrants a lot of attention. I think I think him and Zaha come to mind as the two players that are probably targeted uh, by the opposition the most in the competition. Which which for a referee, I think you've got to have alarm bells in your head and you've got to be be conscious of the fact that these players are going to be probably unfairly treated. Um, and I think the opposition players should be punished uh, quite strictly. But that's one to keep an eye on. I think in the future, certainly. Do you think that 
players are getting enough protection in general in the Premier League? I think if there's patterns, I think I think if you can if you can clearly identify patterns again for for players like Traore, uh, Wilfred Zaha, I think yes, I, I, I think you know players certainly need to be protected if if they're constantly receiving too much attention um, and if they're constantly receiving pretty heavy tackles and contacts. Yeah, I think that's one term. Yeah. So a one point four out of five, not brilliant, but. Next up is Norwich City away. Who's the man in the middle for that one? Uh, it's all very mysterious. Peter Banks takes charge of this match, and you're probably asking yourself, who is Peter Banks? Uh, which is a very fair question, as it's just his, <laughs> fifth Premier League, his fifth Premier League appearance. So he's very fresh, very new. Um, I can tell you just a few things about Banks. Wolves, uh, Wolves have had just one previous Premier League fixture under him, uh, a one-all draw at home for Southampton this season. What okay. we can tell you is that he, he's certainly a card slinger. He averaged a hefty uh, 4.15 yellow cards per game in the championship. Wow. Um, and in his four Premier League fixtures thus far, he's handed out 15. So that, that pretty much makes him the third or fourth uh, highest yellow card distributor in the Premier League if he's, a, if he's going to be a consistent referee. Um, he's made three key decisions so far in his Premier League career, two of which are, have been the correct ones, but I guess there's still insufficient data to determine whether he's a good uh, decision maker in those contentious moments. Um, but yes, ex- expect to hear plenty of the whistle as Banks is a referee who likes to impose himself on a match by being quite strict. So Let's, uh, let's hope he's not Robin Banks. So uh, that is... It sounds good. I mean, <laughs> Meatloaf said two out of three ain't bad. Uh, obviously, Wolves fans will be the judge of that at the weekend. But otherwise, Jack, just give us a rundown of the... Uh, just give us a rundown of your socials just for anyone that wants to go and download the app or wants to follow you on social media. Absolutely. Uh, so Twitter, our handle is uref underscore official. Uh, we basically just provide... Uh, again, referee analysis, referee data, referee insights. So if you're interested in referees in the Premier League, don't be afraid to uh, chuck us a follow. We might even follow you back. And then we're also active on Facebook. Uh, and you can find us on Facebook. We're just UREF, U-R-E-F. Perfect, Jack. Well, we will catch up with you later on in the season. We're not sure when we're going to do the podcast uh, before the new year is out, but we will let you know. Otherwise, have a fantastic Christmas. And thanks for giving us a lowdown on the man in the middle for the 77 Club. Thank you very much, Sam. Good luck, Wolves fans, this weekend. The away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? Joined now by Jacob from CanaryCast. Jacob, how's it going to begin with? Yeah, really good. Thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. So it is a big game, I think, for both sides. They're going to look like... Both can take three points. How are Norwich going to approach this one? Yeah, definitely. We had a brilliant result against Leicester at the weekend and it's going to give us a, a big confidence. At home, we've we've struggled against teams who have pressed us recently. So we might try and give you the ball as much as possible uh, and counter-attack. <laughs> and a fantastic start to the season for Norwich. Is it anything like you envisioned? Well, yeah, at the start of the season, we, we brought that forward momentum on. Like We lost 4-1 at Anfield opening day of the season, but... We, we took so many positives from it. We attacked Liverpool really well. We, we took so many shots on target. We brought that forward. We then beat Newcastle 3-1 and we were thinking we, we can really play our football here and, and beat teams. We then 
obviously then went on and beat Manchester City, which was the most incredible result of Norwich's hip. Premier League history for definite but then we've had as injuries as long as your arm um, goalkeepers out we've had our third choice goalkeeper in who we thought we'd never see in goal and it, it's really affected a, a young team's morale we, we've recently picked up again um, good away win at Everton and then Arsenal we played really well against at home and then we lost really two negative games recently and we're, we're trying to pick up again and try and keep in touch with the teams above us. And also it just seems that Norwich are putting to bed any title challenges that come their way, Liverpool aside. Obviously you did it a little bit with City and you've done it at the weekend against Leicester. Is there something in the water there? Well, like I say, t- counter-attacking this season, we've been incredible, which last season, if anyone watched us, we never would have believed it. We were so good last season, keeping the ball and everything. But this year, when teams press us, when we have the ball, we're really struggling. So on that counter-attack with some of our threats like Onel Hernandez, Todd Cantwell, Emi Buendia, and obviously the main man team, Upuki, we're really threatening teams. And our conversion rate is incredible for a team down down below, bottom in the bottom three. The next two games are against West Midlands sides. I'm sure you'd rather beat Villa because looking near the bottom of that table, three points from say, Obviously, the goal difference is probably going to play a part as it normally does at the end of the season. And do you think you've got enough to stay up? Do you think there are two other, well, three other teams that are worse than Norwich? Well, we've been talking about this a lot. Um, when we're looking at Wolves at the weekend, I'd bite your hand off for a draw because against Spurs, you you were, you were very good. I think you've got a lot of threats which could really hurt us. Um, in terms of Villa, yeah, we'd love to go there away and win. Um, their, their play, their style of play in terms of keeping the ball could really um, suit us actually in terms of the counter attack. In terms of teams down there, obviously Watford are in big trouble. They can't score goals. Southampton, they're very similar to us in terms of they concede a lot. Um, if Danny Ings dries up, hopefully we can catch them. And I do look at Villa as a team who have spent a lot of money, but they don't they haven't returned a lot. I do think we can catch them. It, in optimism, I hope we can finish 17th this season. And in terms of the game against Wolves, how does Mr. Fark line up for that one? Well, this is a tricky one because obviously you guys play five at the back. So I... And we... We have been crying out for five at the back at times, but in terms of defenders, we've still only got two centre-halves. So we'll play four at the back, I imagine. Four, two, three, one. We'll be very disciplined in terms of the midfield too. We'll most probably be Tom Tribal and Alex Tetty, who will try and break up play from your guys, Moutinho and Neves, and try and put us on the counter. Um, in terms of going forward, obviously Puki will be up top. Fingers crossed, actually, because he had, did break a toe against Leicester. So fingers crossed he is fit, <laughs> because otherwise we are really in trouble. We'll have Buendia, <coughs> Cantwell, Hernandez, who will be in behind uh, the main man, offering different threats. Hernandez is very direct in terms of his pace. He's not always, uh, doesn't always know what he's going to do with the ball, which is fantastic to see at times and infuriating to see at others. Cantwell's that player, though, who we've really been putting our hopes on this season because he's just stepped up. He's he's a really fantastic player, picks up the spaces in terms of uh, when the ball, when we're attacking. He's just picking up those pockets of spaces and he's scoring goals. So hopefully, fingers crossed, him and Pookie can combine again at the weekend. Now, just something I wanted to ask you about, which I think I saw on your socials earlier, was that you're asking the question, is Pookie world class? Yes. <laughs> Have you had that conversation yet? Because I'm dying to know the answer. Well, as bias, I, I think he is. I think he's up there as world class simply because of his movement. The guy, when you watch him at the weekend... He is never offside. You can play a ball through to him and he, he nine times out of 10, mostly 10 times out of 10, the guy will never be offside. 
if we give him a chance, which we haven't, when he went on that eight-game run, uh, running streak where he didn't score, we just didn't give him a chance. If you give him two chances at a game, guaranteed minimum he'll score one. No, oh, I think you're right. Yeah, he's he's been phenomenal this season. But world-class, Jacob, really. Yeah, I, I'm going to go class. there. I'm going to go there because, <laughs> because Incredible. He, he can score goals. And nine goals in this team, when you look at this team, to get nine goals already is an incredible achievement. How would you describe someone like Messi? Oh, he's different level. Messi's just a, Messi, Ronaldo, they're different level. But Pukki is, is up there in terms of Premier League strikers. He is fully up there. I've got to ask you then, if I offered you Raul Jimenez or Pukki, which one would you take? <laughs> I'm going to say Pukki, obviously. I do like Raul Jimenez. I think he's a really good worker. He offers a lot. He did really well against Brighton when I saw that saw you boys draw against them. Yeah, for me, I'll take Puki over any striker in the league. Right, Jacob, just before you go and sit down on that chaise lounge and talk about your pass to a psychiatrist, I'll ask you for a score prediction. <laughs> I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Fingers crossed. As you said in our preview, you can't uh, keep a clean sheet. We definitely can't. 1-1 one, one will be good. Fingers crossed for a win, but yeah, 1-1. One, one. Should be a fantastic game. Well, Jacob, thanks for coming on the 77 Club. Best of bad luck, of course, for the weekend. Great stuff. Thank you, mate. And same to you. <laughs> the away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? So, Harry, I, I, <laughs> I think we've got to start with that question, haven't we, of, of who's world class. Obviously, we had a little bit of a debate on it the, the other day of how Aubameyang and Lacazette were not, and I backed it up with cold, hard facts. And... Pookie is not world class. No, to be fair, I mean, he, he, obviously being a Norwich he's fan, he's a good player. Yeah, great, good striker. But being a Norwich fan, he's gonna put him on a pedestal, and he because obviously he's their hero. But he's not world class. Let's be honest. Good, good striker. I mean, he's not world class. You know what my, you know what my definition is, don't you? Would he get in your yeah. world eleven? That they're world class then. So I don't think Pookie would. But I think he's getting carried away there. But he is a good player. And I hope he don't score Saturday. <laughs> Do you, do you think back in the day we would have said uh, Stephen Fletcher was world class? Probably because when he was on a run, when he was on a run, we would yeah. have. Yeah, like now we're like Raul yeah. Jimenez, world class. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, winning competitions uh, on the world stage is obviously something that makes you world class, and Jimenez did that with the Gold Cup. So yeah. it's interesting to see how other fans do react. But I, I think not only to shaft Jimenez like that, but to also say he'd take it over any striker in the league. Wow. Like Aguero? Incredible. Someone like that? You'd take Pucky over Aguero? I don't think you would, would Amazing. you? Amazing. But we will wait and see. I mean, we may well be sat here next week going, the guy's world class. He scored seven <laughs> against us. I can't believe it. Uh, but we do look at that Norwich side and look, they're down there at the bottom of the table at this stage of the season for a reason. And that's because they're just not scoring goals outside of his goals, really. I think it's called 18 goals all season. So that sort of tells a story. And when you look at their last five league games, only one league win in there, two losses and two draws too. Uh, I guess we're going to be looking at this as as three points, isn't it, Harry? Yeah. But we don't really historically do very well at Carrow Road. No, well, we beat them in the Championship, didn't we? But I think we are, we are looking at this and give three points. They're down there in 19th. We've got to win this if we want to stay up in these dizzy heights. We're chasing a fourth. But I did think we'd go and beat Brighton and we didn't. 
we uh, were cruising that game, laps and concentration, conceded two goals. So it's whether we're on it and has that for Tongan last minute goal took the stuffing out of some of the players. You know what I mean? Mentally, have they got over that yet? So it'd be interesting, but if we played like we did against Spurs, we will wipe the floor with them. It's as simple as that, but it depends how we turn up and maybe Norwich will look at it thinking they've got to win. You know what I mean? Three points at home is really important for them. So I think, I mean, from our point of view, I think we can win. I think we will win. In terms of the season and for both sides, obviously, like you say, it's important to get wins to keep in to with that pack with the chasing pack for for whatever European competition uh, you like. But down the bottom of the table, Norwich now three points adrift from Villa. The goal difference isn't helping them out. Obviously, West Ham have got minus nine, Everton minus nine, Villa minus seven, and then into the Southamptons you've got minus eighteen, Norwich minus seventeen, Watford minus twenty three, and that's essentially worth a point when it comes to relegation. Yeah, so there we go. Um... It's just it is a very. But if they don't start winning, which they're going to look at walls and think they've got to got to win their home games, they're going to be really struggle, aren't they? I mean, Villa are through in the Carabao Cup now, aren't we? As we saw the other night, they're down there, so it gets very tough down the bottom, especially after Christmas. So hopefully they get one more loss on their record and we can uh, beat them. Is it going to be an unchanged eleven for you? Yeah, same team as uh, Spurs has got to be, hasn't it? The way we played, yeah. unbelievable and. I don't know who Norwich's left back is off the top of my head, but I'm sure he's looking at it thinking, Jesus Christ, I hope Traore ain't like he was against Spurs because I'm going to have my work cut out. God. Uh, give us a score prediction. I'm going to go with 4-1, mate. 4-1 Wolves. Perfect. And what we're going to do now is, as it's come to that time of year where people are doing teams of the decades and all that sort of stuff, we'll try and squeeze a podcast in next week, sort of before New Year, and maybe go over a team of the decades thing. So watch out on the socials for that. Otherwise, Harry, it's, otherwise Harry is going to play the quiz of the decades. Uh, this is uh, relative to the 77 fucking high street club. Is that right? So, Harry, aside from uh, level-up duties this week, we're going to play... Quiz of the decade. So I have one question from each year of the last Jesus. decade. They're difficult, but I think they're gettable. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see how you do. Play along at home. Let us know how you get on. Here we go. This is your 2010 question. Wolves' first win of this year came on the 10th of February. It was a 1 0 win. David Jones scored the goal. Who was it against? I'm going to go for, because it's doing the rounds on social media, is it, it Tottenham has. at home? It is Tottenham. That is a good start. Yes. One. 2011. Final day drama on the 22nd of May 2011. Stephen Hunt scored that goal and Blues were relegated. But who was the player of the year that year for Wolves? 2011. 2011. The year we stayed up like very dramatically. Yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna to have to go with. Let's think about this, because he worked harder than a one-armed bricklayer, as Bayliss would say. <laughs> Kevin Doyle. It isn't Kevin Doyle. It's Matt Jarvis, Ooh, player of the season never. that year. Yeah. At 2012, Mick McCarthy sacked in the February. Oh, no. Terry Connor took charge with 13 games left. How many did he lose? <sighs> Jesus. Oh, his first one was a draw away at Newcastle I remember that so mm-hmm. that narrows it down to 12 <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what I'm going to go for 9 it is 9 Ooh. hey not too bad yeah. 2 out of 3 so far 2013 double relegation confirmed in this year Wolves finishing 23rd but who were they relegated with oh dearie me that is tough 
Leighton Orient. Oh. No. No, I can't, I can't remember. No, it was Peterborough United. Yeah. And Bristol City. Oh, I'd never have got that. Right, and we go to 2014. What a season. Back to the Championship with 103 points in League One. Three players, two French and one Scottish, top scored in the league with 12. Can you name them? So the Scottish geezer's got to be uh, Griffiths, isn't it? Yeah. And what, the other two French? Two French. Uh, Sacco, does he count as French? Yeah. We've got one more French. Oh, uh, Dicko? It is. There we go. There we go. Three. So far, 2015, January 2015 saw Wolves go out of the FA Cup at the first hurdle. The first game was 0-0. The replay was 3-3 after extra time with which London club eventually winning on penalties. I remember this game because it was snowing really bad and it was Fulham. It was. It was Fulham. Yeah. Four so far. This is good, Harry. 2016, Wolves had four permanent and interim managers this calendar year. Name them. God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Walter Zenger. Yeah. Salbacken. No. no, I've gone way off. I, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lambert yeah, then. Can, La- let me yeah, let me Lambert. try and guess a few of us. Lambert. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Jacket. Yeah. Day, uh, Rob Edwards. Rob Edwards. Oh, there you go. Go. eventually, but you can't get the point. No, no. Yeah, 2017. Yeah. Who scored their last league goal for Wolves in December of this year? December 2017 scored their. Ah, oh, it was uh, my mate Bonatini, wasn't it? <laughs> It was Bonatini, five so far. 2018, on the way to Wembley in the FA Cup, who did Wolves beat? So in the third round, we beat Liverpool. Yeah. Then it took us two legs to beat Shrewsbury. Yeah. Then we beat Bristol City away. Yeah. Then we beat Man United at home. And Man United. And then we don't talk about it. So, yeah, correct. Six so far. This for seven, Harry. 2019, how many goals have Wolves scored in the Europa League in 2019? Including the qualifiers. Including the qualifiers. Oh, let me just be quick here. Hold on, hold on. 14, uh, 3, 17, 20, 21. Carry the team. Uh, 25. I'm going to go for 25. It's 30. Oh my God, where have I missed out there? I've missed something out there. I think you've missed maybe like a Punic or something. Yeah, I think I so uh, not bad not too bad 6 out of 10 so uh, anyone playing along at home let us know how you did did you beat Harry's 6 that was the quiz of the decade so what we'll do now is say goodbye to Harry Mantle see you in a bit and say goodbye to me do keep a look out on the socials we will try and squeeze in a podcast before the year is out otherwise have a fantastic Christmas and a wonderful new year Uh, Harry if you want to say the same have a fantastic Christmas and a wonderful new year (laughs) Very good, exactly the same. Excellent. Uh, And we will catch you on the flip side. The 77 Club. The Wolves Podcast for the Gold and Black Army. Sports Social Podcast Network.